This is the Open to Explore FBC Athens podcast, featuring conversations exploring the intersection of faith and life. In May of 1920, the members of Athens Baptist Church left the church building located on the corner of Washington Street and College Avenue. A new structure was planned for a new location, the corner of Pulaski Street and Hancock Avenue. In September of 1921, the first services were held in the new sanctuary. Now, 100 years later, in 2021, members, friends, and guests continue to gather for worship, education, ministry, and mission. This podcast series celebrates our 100-year anniversary of being in this location by featuring stories and memories from a variety of our members. Some will stir your laughter. Others may bring a tear or two upon your face. Our first podcast in this series features Charlie Hooper and Vicki Horton, two longtime members of this congregation. Here is my conversation with them. Today, joining me on the podcast to talk about their memories and experiences in this building and in this church are Charlie Hooper and Vicki Horton. As we get started, tell a little bit about how and when you came to this church. Ladies first. Well, I came to this church in 1969. I married Bill Horton. This was his home church. He was born and raised here. And I came the same year that Bob B. Jane Farrell came. Oh, wow. And Lorraine and I joined the same Sunday together. I came here in 1980, so that's over 40 years. Paul and I met here through mutual friends. Okay. And so been coming here ever since. I had friends that were already in this church, and I was working in Athens, and I moved to Athens, so I came to First Baptist. So when you came here, you were not married to Paula? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, very not good. Yet. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm sure that you've had, uh, especially in those number of years, quite a number of experiences here in the congregation, and specifically in the sanctuary itself. I'd like to ask, what are some of the ones that are very memorable to you? Of course, for me, it was having Billy and Jenny and having them baptized here in okay. this church, and all the programs they went through and the different things that we did and you know, this was our, this is our church home. Y'all really grew up as a family here, didn't you? We did. We did. Mm. Very special. I have a lot of special moments, but one thing that comes to mind is what we did several years ago, many, many years ago now, and that is when the church, not just the music side, but the church took on the challenge of putting on Manati's Amal and the Night Visitors. Oh, and uh, it's a short opera that's got a really beautiful story. And what I remember about that was not just the music, but we began in late August. The church, we had people coming from everywhere in the church with all kind of talent. Carpenter people came in and built this really tremendous set. We had people come in and do the lighting. We had a lot of folks come in and help us with uh, costuming movement choreography i guess you'd say of the of the whole thing 
and even people in the chorus sang, some people who weren't in the choir oh. stepped up and came yeah. in and sang in the chorus. And then we had an orchestra. Uh, I don't know if you remember it or not, Vicky, but it was it was one of those times where I saw not just the music, which was really fun to learn and do, but with the the church itself coming together in a in a tremendous offering to the community. I think that was before the I was in the choir. I remember it. It was about ni- in eighteen eighty six, eighty seven. I remember it. So did you do? Only one performance or more than one performance? We actually did three performances. Somebody else was doing the published, and we had really good turnouts from the community. We did it Friday, Saturday, and I think a Sunday afternoon. And it was a lot of fun, but the the thing you ask about memorable, that's just one thing that sticks out in my mind uh, of how the whole church came together and made that happen. Yeah, that's one of those memories that, as you say, it's more than just the event itself it was a months-long experience wasn't it and I was real young at the time and I didn't realize I didn't look at it as the the challenge that it would have been to suggest that and make it happen and a lady named Kay Wideman taught Quade Hasty yeah he was the had the title role and he he sang that without flaw and she Uh, worked with him yeah to teach him that part it was it was something to remember. It's a lot to do. I don't know if uh, we could do it again. Thinking about it, I think it was up in the nineties before I came to choir. I didn't come to choir until after Jenny graduated high school and went off to college. And then I, because I had worked with Bob for the youth choirs the whole time they were in the youth. Yeah, I worked with Betty Jane with the little ones before that, and then I moved up to Bob, and then when. They went off to school. I moved into the big choir. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I would imagine then you have a number of musical experiences and remembrances mm-hmm. from oh, yeah. from that room. Are there some others that come to mind? Yeah, I mean, how can you stop and think of all of them after 41 years? <laughs> um, I'm sure you all have experienced a few things that are not planned, very yes. unexpected. Exactly. Tell me one of those. Well, one of mine would be one year on during Holy Week. And I don't remember if it was Monday, Thursday, but the choir was singing from the balcony. And one of the violinists, we had a small instrumental group up there, lay his bow up on the parapet wall. <laughs> and I remember it occurred to me at that point, that might not be the best place for that, <laughs> but didn't think much more about it until about two minutes later, he hit it. And I remember it was like a slow-motion movie as that thing sailed <laughs> up through the air down to the whoever was below it. And we had no idea who was down there, but we heard it splat as it hit. And uh, the whole front row of the choir was peeping up over the edge to see who it had hit. Fortunately, it just hit in an empty pew. But I guess there was a lesson learned there is uh, if you – choir singing in the balcony don't sit in the back (laughs) (laughs) that's right that's a good lesson i remember mr cox the candy man Mm -hmm. he was here every sunday and he always had gum and candy in every pocket and the children would just swarm to him as soon as church was over (laughs) he would walk up and down the halls and they would go into him to get a piece of candy well one year he was on the communion team and uh, he didn't tell anybody, but he filled all the little glasses. Okay. So when 
we got to the part where he'd take this and drink. It was the real stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody was coughing. And, 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 and anyway, they didn't let him do that anymore. <laughs> I remember John told that story. He said when he took the top off of the, the communion tray, he could tell something yes. different. It wasn't just great. He, he used some good homemade whiskey. <laughs> oh, my. But it, it was it was funny, but not at the moment. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you another one on John Appleton. One Sunday morning, Martha Nan had put flowers in the church in memory of her mom and daddy. Y'all probably remember this. And Bill was down there, and Carol Sue came in, and they were looking everywhere. They could not find those flowers anywhere. And they knew that they had been delivered, but they they didn't use flowers. They had used another company because they would do different kinds of designs. And so John Appleton walked into the sanctuary, and he said, well, what are y'all looking for? Martha Nan says, well, I have flowers delivered for in memory of my mother and daddy, and we cannot find them. And he said, well, what did they look like? And she started describing, you know, they had a branch in it and this type. He said, oh, I thought those were left over from last week. I put them, I had Cicero put them in the trash. <laughs> so they had to I get Cicero to go get in the trash and get them out, and then put them up but we laughed all through the choir at that that morning <laughs> that is really funny any other unexpected moments that you've had well one that's not really funny but it was unexpected is we had years ago too i remember it was mentioned as a solo handbell choir yeah and i i remember paul and i talked about it you know you see handbells spread out over tables and they said solo handbell choir, and I told her, I said, well, this may be as much an athletic event as is a musical <laughs> presentation. So we came, and you're talking about somebody that had to move. I mean, she moved so agile and got to the the thing, but she never missed a single note. That oh, I wow. I missed that. And I have, I I've never seen, seen it before or since. <laughs> uh, but I've never thought of handbell choir as a... Solo. As a solo. No. We talk about sanctuary as being a sacred space. I would like to ask you, what about the space makes it sacred for you? Well, when to me, when you say of any place, sanctuary, when it else has a holy for you or a sacred for you, it's usually attached to an event or an experience for you. And there have been many over my long tenure here. But I would have to make it a little more personal and to the fact that we were talking earlier that Paul and I met in this church through mutual friends. Yeah, We dated as a couple and came to church here. We later got married here. We dedicated Mandy, our daughter, as an infant here. Later she was baptized here. And then... Just seven years ago, she married her husband, Chris, in that sanctuary. So those on a very personal level would all be very sacred times for me. Holy moments, I believe, as some people like to call. Yeah. What about you, Vicki? What are things about it that make it a sacred space? Well, I think just getting up on Sunday morning and knowing that I'm going to the Lord's house and that I'm going to see all my Christian friends and just have a good time and just be where I know that I need to be, where yeah. I should be. And like Charlie 
Billy was married in this church. I was not, but he was. So there, there are a lot of things that that make it special and make it holy, and it's just the feeling when you walk through those doors. Mm-hmm. The place just hits you as this is God's place. Yeah. What experiences would you like for other people to have in this space? If you wanted for other folks to experience some things that were meaningful, what kind of things would those be? You know, I think for for me, I would go back to that, the way Paul and I as a young couple, when we came in here and the church was full of senior adults, but the way that we were welcomed, the way that we began to be made to feel like we were in a, family, not just a church, but a church family in the best sense of what that means. And even with all the twists and as a large organization uh, can make and turns and committees and the ultimate sense of being a church family together, I think that's uh, what I would hope people who would come here would uh, be able to experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that way too. I want them to I want them to feel welcome when they come, and I want them to leave with a smile on their face. I want them to have enjoyed what they have heard and what they've seen, and that that we will all put forth that effort to greet people and, and let them know that we're glad that they're with us and we hope that they'll come back. That's, you know, that's how I feel. The room's changed a lot over the course of 100 years. I know you've seen some of those and been a part of some of them. With all those changes, though, what would you say are things that remain constant? I think for me, Frank, the one thing that is constant is change. You expect change, and it's going to happen. The one thing, again, for me is more of what takes place in that sanctuary than the, just the facility itself, and that is the, the people that are there. Paul and I have always had a real strong sense of gratitude for, for those who've come before us, and through the years we've seen, we've lost a lot of really good people, but they, those who stepped up in their time and maintained the church as church and now as we're senior adults, to see young people coming in and stepping up and doing, doing that. To me, the constant is that, that flow, ebb and flow of yeah. individuals. Yeah. That was, that was very well put. <laughs> you endorse that. <laughs> I endorse that. <laughs> I like that. My constant, too, is, of course, my Sunday school class okay. that I've been in because I've been in that same class now for, gosh, 20-plus years, probably 30 years, okay. because Bill always did the sound system, and he was always getting the sound system ready and going over everything that was going to be happening. And so uh, he didn't go to Sunday school. So I started going to Betty Jane's class, and I just stuck it and still there. And, and, you know, and when we moved up here on the third floor, there wasn't any grumbling or complaining. or I mean, it was just everybody was great with it, so... And, and we keep growing. We've lost some, but we've gained some. It's those connections that we make with people, mm-hmm. the experiences that we share together, yes. really do 
carry us through the midst of all that change. Yes, it does. Sure. Because when there's pain and heartache, they're yeah. for you. They're there for you. As well as the times when you're celebrating something. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. yeah. All those things begin to mix together. There are times sometimes when I sit in the sanctuary and I can see all kind of faces of people <laughs> who are no longer there. That's right. Yeah. You know, because we oh, tend yes. to sit in mostly the same spot week yep. to week. And yeah. it's easy to remember some people that way. Sometimes it's a surprise to all of a sudden have one of those images come to mind. One of my memorable moments when you said that it came to mind was when I was uh, back when I had was a part of the Christmas Eve service, sitting up behind the uh, pulpit to see people coming in yeah. that we hadn't seen in a long time, children coming back from school and families coming back. That was one one of the most I, I used to just enjoy that moment to watch that happen. Yeah. You know, I know that other churches probably do the same and all, but our church has always been so loving and so giving and that we're ready to help where help is needed. Mm-hmm. You know, we we've, we've sent our youth off with a lot of adults to go to different areas that needed help, whether yes. it be a hurricane or flood or what. We feed the hungry every day. We just seem to be a step above in mm-hmm. all that we do. And and it makes you proud. Yeah. It makes you proud when you say something about your church and they say, oh, you're the church that, that feed the hungry. And we've I've had that said. Yeah. So I know that sometimes we get discouraged, but then things happen that make you undiscouraged. Are there some other things you've thought of you wanted to share that I haven't asked you about? I was thinking you could be here a long time if we really got into 40 years plus of, of being a member. Yeah. Just so many stories. Yep. Some that maybe shouldn't be told. <laughs> <laughs> Some funny ones, though. <laughs> now we're going to do what we call lightning round. I'll give you a word, and whatever really comes to mind, I want you to tell me about. Are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> Careful. <laughs> Okay. Christmas. Singing. Music, for me, music has always been a major part of my worship experience, period. And the families coming together, as I mentioned earlier. Communion. Sacred. A quiet, holy moment. It touches your heart. Easter. Cross. The cross and flowers and little children with all their new clothes. Symbolic of the world coming back to life, I guess, in the spring. Funerals? Too many. Sadness. We've, we've lost so many really, really good people. But in that sadness, there's also joy. Because with me, with Bill, I know he's in heaven. I'm at peace and with joy with that. Baptism? Obviously, I said it before, but uh, it was a very special time when our own daughter got married. For Billy and Jenny both, they did it on the same Sunday. I suspect you'll remember Grady Nutt, who was very funny. He always had multiple baptism stories to tell that were quite funny. I do remember one time 
when John was baptizing, in, it was earlier in the service, of course, mm-hmm. kind of on the front end of the service, and he came back and he sat down, and his shoe was still untied. And his sock and shoe were soaking wet because there was a hole in Leaking the waiter's yeah, I remember that. <laughs> now that you started the story, I remember it. Yeah. So he had to finish the service with yeah. wet socks and wet feet. <laughs> Weddings. Happiness. Yeah, I mean, my own wedding and my daughter's wedding, I mean, those two stick out for me. And then, frankly, many, many weddings that that I was a part of, I asked to be a part of the scene. Well, that story's too long. I'm not going to tell (laughs) it. Oh, you've got to tell it. (laughs) D.C. was an organist. We had a a member of the community came in and wanted to uh, get married here. I was to sing Ave Maria, I believe. And when I came in about 45 minutes before the service, D.C. was mopping his brow, and he looked a little concerned, and I went up to him and I said, D.C., what's going on? He said, well, the groom's parents have also uh, decided they had somebody they want to sing. And this little petite Korean lady came up to me, and she says, I sing of what you sing. And I said, oh, D.C. said she's going to sing Ava Maria, too. <laughs> she was an <laughs> opera singer from uh, Canada, actually. And I said, uh, well, maybe not. So I went back, found John Appleton, and I said, John, you know where it says pray right here? You're not praying. I'm singing the Lord's Prayer, now. I don't care if it's in the bulletin or not. And I, that's exactly <laughs> what we did. That's exactly what we did. Children's choirs. Loved it. That was one of my memorable moments that I had had thought about earlier. Not just from the standpoint of the the children. They do such, they work so hard at it and they give such good presentation. You don't have to go far to look around you at the people's faces. And it's not just the parents that are glowing when they see the children perform. And they've done so many, many good, good things through the years. And I think every one of them has been inspiring in some way or the other. Yeah, I think so too. We just have a good mu- all-around music program. We really have one yeah. of the best, mm-hmm. and some of the best teachers. Thank you all very much for sharing your experiences and your memories, and some really good stories too. Thank you for asking us. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this podcast in our series recognizing the 100-year anniversary of being on the corner of Pulaski Street and Hancock Avenue. On Sunday, November 7, All Saints Sunday, we will make special recognition of this centennial mark. Listen next week to our second podcast in the series featuring Jill Dawson and John Barrow.